0: How would you like to speak to thousands of people in your pajamas without leaving your bedroom? Here's the thing, you need to be getting on podcasts yesterday. Why? Because podcasters are hot. Over 73 million Americans listen to podcasts and that number is growing every month. That's insane! Here's the problem, there are currently over half a million podcasts and finding the right ones is like finding a needle in a haystack. Podcast booking agencies charge thousands of dollars to book you on shows, and they usually just spam podcasters like me. Hosts like myself get pitched all the time, and we don't have time to research every potential guest. In fact, I turned down 95% of pitches. And this is why I created Podbooker. Podbooker Podbooker.com is the first platform where guests can easily pitch hosts, and hosts can find great guests. It's like a podcast dating site. Use our simple search algorithm to find the perfect hosts in seconds, increase your acceptance rates with our bio templates, video pitches, and powerful profile pages, easily communicate and follow up with hosts with a few clicks, keep a record of all the podcasts you've been featured on, learn how to become a rockstar guest with our academy tutorials featuring award-winning podcast hosts, and much, much more. So what are you waiting for? Head over to podbooker.com. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey fellow brain pickers and welcome to episode 139 of Can I Pick Your Brain. Today's guest is Nathan Hirsch, a serial entrepreneur and expert in remote hiring and e-commerce. He started his first e-commerce business out of his college dorm room and has sold over $30 million online. He is now the co-founder of FreeUp.com, a marketplace that connects businesses with pre-vetted freelancers in e-commerce, digital marketing, and much more. I actually happen to be a very happy client myself of FreeUp. I've used the service to outsource a lot of parts of my business. So I'm really excited to introduce you to the one and only Nathan Hirsch. Nathan, welcome to the show.
1: Daniel, thanks for having me. I am pumped to be here.
0: You know what i am i'm so happy i've got you on here because uh i actually recently signed up to your services your free up um outsourcing platform and it's incredible like it really is it really works really well and i i want to get into that and into why why you started an outsourcing company when there's so many you know outsourcing companies out there and platforms Uh, But before we do, I kind of want to just let the audience get to know you better, your personal life. Like, you know, what were you like growing up, Nathan?
1: Sure. So first of all, thank you. I really appreciate that feedback. Um, My parents were both teachers when I was growing up. So I always had that mentality where I was supposed to get good grades in high school, get a scholarship for college, good grades in college, get a real job work for 40 years, retire. That was going to be my life. And so (laughs) I rebelled pretty early. (laughs) I I really didn't want to do that. And it it first started when I was forced to do these summer jobs every every summer. I went to school at the town next to me because that's where my dad taught at the high school. And all their parents were doctors, lawyers, dentists, big business owners. So they were loaded. My parents were both teachers. I I was never broke. But – we didn't have everything that they had. So while all my friends were out there enjoying their summers, I was working 40, 50 hour a week summer jobs. But I learned a lot during these jobs, everything from great customer service at the Firestone Corporation to sales at Aaron's, which is kind of like a rental center. But I hated every second of it. (laughs) I I would watch the clock every day. So when I got to college, I, I almost looked at it as a uh, a ticking clock where if I didn't start a business by the time I graduated, I was gonna hate the next 50 years of my life because I was gonna be working for someone else. So when I got to college, I started hustling and hustling hard um, and I started a, a textbook business competing against my school bookstore to the <laughs> point where I actually got a, uh, a cease and desist letter from my college because I was taking up so much of their business.
0: No <laughs> so, way, that's brilliant. Oh.
1: Yeah. So that was kind of my, my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur. And, and that kind of led me to Amazon. And we can talk about that later. But, but that's really how I grew up, that mentality that everyone else had what I wanted and that I wanted to kind of rebel and do something different.
0: That's sweet. And so wait, actually going to the Amazon thing. So was that your first business? Was uh, Not your first business, but was that your first online business?
1: Yeah. So when I went from books to selling on Amazon, cause you don't sell, you don't sell books for very long without learning about Amazon. Right. And I, I, I tried to sell products that I was very familiar with. So sporting equipment, computers, DVDs, video games, and I just failed over and over again. The only thing I could sell were these books <laughs> and I became incredibly frustrated because I knew I was going to graduate soon. I wasn't going to have access to all these books anymore and it wasn't until I got out of my comfort zone and started experimenting with selling baby products that I started to have any resemblance of success. So why
0: why baby products? Why would that work and sporting goods didn't work?
1: Yeah, I mean, the reason I came across it was just trial and error. I just kept trying things till I found it. But if you think of it logically, I mean, what's the biggest market? It's funeral homes, right? Because everyone dies. What's the market right below that? probably baby products, because most people have babies. So it's just a huge market. People are willing to overpay for their kids. And back in the day, this was 2008, 2009, people weren't really selling that much on Amazon. No one knew what Amazon was going to become. And so I was one of the first people to sell baby products on Amazon.
0: That's so cool. And so um, talk us through about you know sales in terms of how how are you doing with the baby products?
1: Sure. So, I didn't have a warehouse. I had my college dorm room. I didn't have a lot of cash besides the few thousand dollars I had made from these summer jobs. So, I came up with the idea of drop shipping years before I even knew it was called drop shipping. The concept that I could build relationships with these vendors, I could become very good at pushing the products and have great customer service behind it, which Amazon as we know cares about a lot. And I built these relationships and I started drop shipping baby products and People thought I was crazy. I would would sit in the back of class just listing baby products all day, and and people. I was a 20-year-old single college guy. So um, it didn't make a lot of sense to other people.
0: How much money were you making at that time?
1: We did around a million dollars in the first year.
0: Dude, okay, so why would you stay in college? if you were making a $1 million in your first deal on Amazon, wouldn't, why wouldn't you just say, hey, I don't need an education now, I, I, I'm made. Like I've got this online business. What do I need to sit here listening to teachers telling me how to, how to how to get a job?
1: Hey, so two reasons. One, college was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed being there. Um, and two, I, I'm always, uh, I think it comes from my dad, I'm always adverse to risk. So in my mind, businesses fail, we know that. And yep. having a college degree is a pretty solid backup plan. So I got really good grades in college. I have a right behind me, you can't see it, but I got Dean's List every semester and I had that framed. And hopefully I never have to use that, but it was a great backup plan coming out of college.
0: Interesting. So you did a million in your first year. That's incredible. That's insane. Well, like. What were you doing? How were you getting traffic to, I mean, I guess Amazon is giving you traffic, but how did you, I mean, there was was there, was there not a lot of competition back then? Is, do you think that's re- the reason why you were so successful or was there other, were there other factors involved as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, there really wasn't that much competition. And obviously, we did a lot of things right. We built great relationships. We focused on systems and processes and we also hired really good people. And that was really the key. And that's what I preach to other people when I go on these podcasts. I mean, good hiring and bad hiring is a lot of times the difference between success and failure. One of my first hires, I got extremely lucky. It's my business partner, Connor, that has been working with me. I think you met him. He's been working with me for eight years and he's a perfect complement to me. So I, I got fortunate with hires. I also made some bad hires and I learned from those and I adjusted. But putting really talented people in position to succeed makes you look really good and makes you a lot of money.
0: So Connor was your first hire. You paid him, uh, I'm guessing, like a, a minimum wage salary type of thing, like right when he came on board?
1: Not only did I pay him a minimum wage salary, but I hired him. And the first day he was supposed to work, he called me and he said, oh, by the way, I don't have a car. Can you come pick me up?
0: <laughs> no way. That's brilliant. Oh my <laughs> Yeah. God. That's brilliant. So, I was,
1: I was like, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? And, and oh. I picked him up, but... It ended up being awesome because on the way home, driving him back every day, all mm-hmm. we did was talk business. And I could tell how passionate he was and I eventually made him part owner.
0: That's brilliant. So he, he basically was your first employee and then became part owner of the business. Um, what do you see in Connor that, I guess, that didn't work out with all the other employees? So the ones that didn't work out, What what's the difference between an employee that, that just works and, and one that's not a good fit?
1: So Connor cared about the business and you have to remember I was surrounded by college kids. So who was I, who did I hire? I hired college kids. Right. And the thing about college kids, most of them is their top priority is not my Amazon business. It's college and rightfully so. So the thing about Connor is he was incredibly passionate, even though he was doing data entry work, you could tell he was crushing it every day and he cared about why he was doing this work, how the business actually worked. He asked great questions um, and and he didn't just do it for the paycheck every day. And that's just one thing that makes someone a a good um, employee or a good freelancer. But I mean, what happened with Connor is, we, I realized that we were completely different people. I mean, I'm a terrible writer. He's a fantastic writer. He's a much more long-term thinker. I'm a much more short-term day-to-day task type person, but we had the same goals. We had the same beliefs. We had the same vision. We were both generally good people. At least I, I consider that. And yeah. <laughs> and so we complemented each other incredibly well. Um, and I think that's really been the foundation of our partnership.
0: You know what I find really difficult and I and I think a lot of a lot of business owners have the same struggle the best employees are entrepreneurs right at least we think that right because they're out of the box thinkers they're creative you know they're independent they don't have to ask you every 2 seconds like what do I do here what do I do here but the problem is it's a it's 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 a double edged sword right because if somebody's an entrepreneur then usually what happens is within a year or two years they're going to go off on their own start their own business and usually it's competing with you because they've just figured out the whole industry and they know exactly how to you know get the clients and then you know the product and the, and the providers and everything else they know the whole setup so how do you get around that issue where you you can't hire entrepreneurial thinkers because they're going to end up being your competitors but at the same time they're the best people to work for you because they're out of the box thinkers and they do things on their own
1: Yeah, I really avoid hiring people like that. (laughs) Um, Or if if I do hire people like that, I keep them very secluded in in what they're doing. So they don't understand the entire business. So it just limits the risk. But I mean, most people I hire um, are those people. So my Amazon business, I hired a bunch of employees. I, I opened up an office and that was one of the worst business decisions I ever made. I added overhead to a business that didn't really need it. I brought people from being remote to bringing them to the office, thinking that it would improve productivity and make everyone happier. And instead it, yep. it did the opposite. Opposite People were less productive and people hated that it kind of turned into a job from being fun. Yes. So with free up, I mean, we're entirely remote. We only hire freelancers from around the world for, um, and, and we're not that concerned about hiring entrepreneurs because Freelancers are entrepreneurs, they're, they're running their own business, but it's different because the people that do my day-to-day operations, they're outsourced. They're people in the Philippines at 5 to $10 an hour, um, basic level freelancer, and we treat them very well and they're happy to get a job. They're most likely not starting their own business. And the freelancers that I'm using for high level stuff, they have their own business already. So I'm hiring a Facebook ad expert. He's not trying to start a freelance business. He's, he's running and growing his Facebook ad business, and he's good at it. So I hire him to turn my weakness into a strength. So that's why I'm such a proponent of hiring these freelancers, because you don't get into that issue where people are, are copying you and stealing you. Not always, but or not every time, most yeah. of the time, because you're hiring people that already have businesses and are already in a path, and you just become part of that path.
0: But let's go back to, to free up for a second. So when you la- first of all, why did you decide to launch free up? What happened with the Amazon? I mean, if you were doing a million in your first year, that must have scaled up, right? You probably I mean, I think, looking at your bio, you did $60 million online, uh, 30 $30 million online. Um, why? Why launch free up? What happened? Or What was the reason for launching it?
1: Yeah. So we made a lot of money on Amazon. We did it for a while. The, the first few years, we were doubling every year. Amazon's booming. And, and this was before the courses, before the gurus. So yep. we think, okay, we're going to do this forever. Well, at some <laughs> point, the courses and the gurus come out and the business is still doing well, but it's not doubling every year. And the other thing to remember is we're selling baby products and we're not selling our own baby products. We're selling other people's baby products. So it's not like we're passionate about what we're selling. Starting an Amazon business was cool. It was fun. I learned a ton, but at some point it just gets old. I couldn't see myself selling other people's baby products for the next 50 years. Um, In addition to that, what I really liked doing was hiring people and working with people and helping other people. And the Amazon business didn't give me an opportunity to grow my brand. No one knew my Amazon store's name, even the people that bought from us. No one knew who Nathan Hirsch was or or anything like that. And I really enjoyed working with these freelancers and I I didn't come out of the Amazon business thinking, Oh, I got to start free up. I built free up based on a a need that I saw because as I was hiring all these people and going on the marketplaces, the Upworks, the Fiverr, I'd post a job, I'd get 50 people to apply, I'd interview them, and it would just take forever. And I remember one day, I spent eight straight hours interviewing people, and I didn't find one person that was a good fit. And I picked up a chair and I threw it against the wall, which is not like me at all, And I thought, hey, there had to be a better way. And so that's when I started experimenting with building my own
0: marketplace. And, you know, it's funny because the visual of you throwing a chair at the wall uh, really resonates with me because I I would throw like the whole table, the chair, (laughs) the computer, the whole thing against the wall when I'm hiring people. It's, it's, It's so frustrating because, you know, I've hired people. And first of all, you go through the whole hiring process, which is just a nightmare, because like you said, you get like 60 applicants and you go through and you're just like, oh God, no, 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 no. And then you think you found someone, right? And they seem like they check all the boxes and everything's amazing and they, they, you know, and everything they say is like, yes, yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And then two weeks later, it's like they're just dropping the ball all over the place, and you're like, "Oh my goodness, what's going on?" And then you've got to fire them, and I hate firing people because I just don't have the heart to do it. You know, it's like, uh-huh. um, yeah, it's not really working out. I actually, it's funny because I actually got one of my employees to fire another employee because I just couldn't do it. I was like, "Can you, can you fire her for me?" Because I just don't want to do it. And they're like, "You want me to fire your worker?" And I was like. Yeah, could you do that? And he's like, I mean, I could do it, but like I, maybe I think you should do it. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. You you just do it. And <laughs> It's like literally that's what I did. I hate it. Um and when I was uh when I had my first my first company which was a call center, um I remember I hired uh one of the receptionists. She was in her 60s and I'm about I was about 24 at the time. And she she was having a bad day and she was on a call with a client and she was really like, I don't know, Really rude with the client, and when she got off the call, I just got so angry because this is my baby. Like you know how it is, Nathan. It's like it's your business. It's your baby, right? Don't mess with my baby. Like you don't mess around with my baby. So I just started like yelling at her, like, "What are you doing?" And I- I'm not like that. I don't get angry, but I just lost it. And then she starts bursting out crying, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm making a grandmother cry!" And I'm 23, 24 years old. What the hell is going on here? You know. <laughs> I hate stuff like that, right? So the thing is, is that I agree with you, like having staff in house is a complete nightmare and there's a whole problem with scaling because you know when you hire someone full time, then you've got to figure out like, oh, I've got to make X amount of money to to be able to pay for all the expenses. But then if you don't hire them, then how do you scale? Because you can't get more people if you can't deliver. But then if you have a bad month, you're like, you're going to go into the red because you've got to pay your staff and you're not going to fire them. Because what if next month you get another, you know, a couple of clients like it's just such a catch 22 it's so hard. So, of course, the outsourcing thing is is the best. It's like the best thing. But then you've got people per hour. And like you said, you've got Upwork and Fiverr. And the problem with those is, again, you don't know what you're going to get because usually when you pay cheap, you you get cheap. Right. So how is free up? different from all those platforms
1: yeah and you hit the nail on the head with a lot of that stuff i mean that's the beauty of the gig economy and why it's an 800 billion dollar industry and why over the next 10 years over 50 percent of the workforce is remote because you don't have to hire someone full-time for $80,000 a year anymore. You can hire experts for five hours a week or on a monthly retainer. You can hire someone in the Philippines to do customer service full-time and pay 5 bucks an hour and, and take that other money and invest it in different parts of your business. And you have so much flexibility to, to grow your business how you want to without worrying about a lot of that stuff. Um, I mean, with free up we're a freelancer marketplace. And I pretty much took everything that I hated from the other marketplaces and changed it and left the stuff that I liked. So with us, we get hundreds of applicants every week. We vet them not just for skill, but for attitude and communication as well because we know how important those things are. We reject 99 out of every 100 applicants that we get and we get over a thousand applicants a week. So once once the top 1% gets in, we make them available to our clients quickly rapid fire we fill requests within a business day usually faster um, once you fill or once the client puts in a request um it's almost like tinder where you can meet them if you like them you click hire if you don't you click pass and you provide us feedback and we get you someone else so we eliminate that browsing and really value your time at the highest level on the back end we have freelancers from 5 to 75 an hour both us and non-us for every skill set over 100 skills. Um, And then we also have 24-7 support. My calendar is right at the top of the website. I'm pretty easy to contact, so is my cell phone number, but I also have a team of people that monitor my Skypes, my emails, 24-7. So no matter how big or small your need is, you always get instant support. And then lastly, we have a no turnover guarantee if freelancers quit for any reason, which rarely happens, but of course it's real life, it could. We cover all replacement costs and get you a new person right away. So wow. that's really what we're all about, the pre-vetting, the speed, the customer service, and that protection.
0: That's think You put your cell phone number on, on the top of your website. That's insane.
1: <laughs> and, and that's that's what's been so funny is when when we first build a thousand hours in a week, people were like, "Oh, you're crazy. Why why would you have your phone number there?" And then we got to five thousand, and I'm getting these these coaches telling me, "You got to take it off." And then we're at ten thousand hours a week, and they're like, "What are you doing, man? Like, you're not gonna be able to scale." And now we're at thirteen thousand a week, and I spend very little time on the phone dealing with issues because the freelancers do a great job, and and so does my team, and. And I love being available to clients, I've built great relationships, it, and, and I'm very curious to see how far we can push this thing, and, and maybe, maybe it does get to a point where I have to take it down, but um, I don't see the end in sight.
0: Amazing. And what's what's incredible, Nathan, is that recently I reached out to you, uh, because I know you've been on a lot of podcasts uh, like this one, right? Um, and. You know, I, I basically I put up a Facebook post asking, you know, you know, my friends on Facebook, you know, who, you know, who has gained from being a, a guest on, on podcasts? Like, and you, you commented, you know, I built free up to seven million dollars just by getting on podcast shows. And I think you said you went on around two hundred, between you and your partner, you went on two hundred podcasts together, and uh, and just by doing that without anything else, you've you've built up the business. That's that's incredible.
1: Yeah, I mean, the first two years of free up, we really spent no money on marketing. We, we went on a ton of podcasts and we um, had a referral program where any clients you refer, you get 50 cents for every hour that we build them forever. So um, those two things were really how we scaled this thing. And once we got to the end of year two, then we had a marketing budget and we played around with Facebook ads and Instagram and, and all that stuff. But I mean, we, we pretty much grew this thing on the basis of podcasts and referrals.
0: That's sweet. And so when you went on podcasts, just because, you know, you've been on so many, um, for those listening that, you know, they're thinking, well, I want to get on podcasts, but I'm not really sure, like, you know, if I'm comfortable getting on a microphone, you know, Facebook is easy. You just put out an ad and you kind of, you know, pay some money and the ad goes out. But for me to get on a podcast, what would you say to them about that?
1: <laughs> so my the way I do it is I put myself out there. I'm really not afraid of failure. I get rejected from being on podcasts probably every day. <laughs> um, <Really? laughs> I'm always trying to get on new ones. And I, I mean, think when I, reject, I first, I think,
0: I think I rejected you the first time as well.
1: Exactly, and I, I'm pretty persistent. <laughs> it, you unless are. you tell unless you tell me Nate, don't ever contact me again, and I'll honor that request. But other than that, I'm gonna respectfully continue to follow up and, and try <laughs> to get on it. And one of the one of the ways that I actually got on. One of my first podcasts was Entrepreneur on Fire. Um, we had reached out, we had been rejected. They had a cancellation. I was actually halfway out the door going to the gym. They said, hey, we need someone right now. Of course, no I, I was jumped at the opportunity. I, I ran back inside, I did it, and that was one of the first podcasts I ever did. And I was terrified. I had no idea what I was doing. I, <laughs> I won't even go back and listen to myself on there because <laughs> I'm sure it was terrible. But I mean, that was an opportunity I wasn't gonna pass up and, and, and a lot of the times it's just the opportunity. I mean, you get pitched all the time. I'm sure it's tough to figure out who you who you want to have and who you don't want to have. And I'm sure you've rejected some people that would be great guests. And I'm sure you've gotten some people that weren't as good as you thought they were going to be. So a lot of it is just putting yourself out there and continuing to be persistent and taking advantage of the opportunities when they come.
0: Yeah, I reject about 95% of pitches. Uh, that I get pitched all I, p- I get pitched all the time, like every single day. Um, I love that. I love the fact that you pushed forward. By the way, you should just know, Entrepreneur on Fire, the one that you went on the first episode that you went on, um, he now charges four and a half thousand dollars to be a guest on his show.
1: Exactly, and, and so again, it's, it's about uh, opportunities.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you got that for free. Like that's what's incredible. And I keep telling people, like you're insane if you're not getting on on podcasts right now, while while they're free to get on. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. So, um, so besides for podcasting, what else have you done to to get uh, to where you are with free up? Like what other things you mentioned? Um, Facebook ads, um, Instagram.
1: So building a lead generation team, actually, let me back up. I focus on what I call low risk, high reward situations. So an example of that is I will hire someone to run my Instagram. It'll cost a few hundred bucks a month. What's the worst case scenario? I use them for three months. I fire them. It costs me $600. I'm not going to go homeless. What's the best case scenario? I get someone really good who takes this task off my plate. They grow my brand and I get clients and it's been working really well. So what I do is I focus on lots of low risk, high reward situations. Reaching, hiring a, a Filipino lead gen team to reach out to podcasts, very low risk, high reward. Same thing with Instagram, same thing with going after people on LinkedIn. So I try all these different things and what not all of them work. Whatever work, I put more money into. Whatever doesn't work, I, I pull back on. So if you're an entrepreneur, especially if you're a startup, especially if you're bootstrapping like I am, Focusing on those low-risk, high-reward situations are incredibly important. Dropping ten thousand dollars to sponsor a conference is incredibly risky. You don't know if you're going to get that ROI back. So you can do those low-risk, high-reward situations and put yourself in in a much better position to succeed.
0: That's so true. So, who typically like what's your client base look like? What 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 type of uh, uh, industries use use you
1: up? Sure. So. We, when we started off the first six months, we, we were mostly Amazon sellers. We were pr- past Amazon sellers. It was fairly easy to say, hey, I'm an Amazon seller. I have good Amazon VAs, try us out. From there, people started to really like us and they told their e-commerce communities. So we're getting Shopify, eBay, Walmart sellers. From there, they start telling their other business communities. So we're getting marketing agencies, real estate agents, software companies, and that's really how we've expanded. So I would say our two target focuses are e-commerce or online businesses, and then agencies, whether they're marketing agencies, real estate, insurance, all that. But we have plenty of clients that don't fall in that spectrum. Um, We really, I mean, with the In the age of the gig economy, there's really no business that can, that shouldn't, there's no business that can't take advantage of hiring remote freelancers. So we open ourselves up to everything, knowing what our targets are.
0: So um, I, I'm one of your clients. So what I don't understand is how you make money, because, you know, we, we, we were expecting like a setup fee or like a management fee or something, right? Normally when you recruit. Right. You, have recruit, you go through a recruitment agent, they charge a recruit, recruitment fee, or, you know, I've, I've worked with other people who have teams in the Philippines. Hey, I like that, teams in the Philippines, and uh, <laughs> they, they charge you like a $1,000 finding fee or something like that, uh, but you guys don't charge that, so you know, how, how are you making money?
1: Yeah, so it's free to sign up. There's no monthly fee, no minimums, no obligation. Um, We take 15% with the $2 minimum on every hour build and 15% on fixed prices. So it's in our best interest to get you people you like so you keep using them, keep coming back and we're comfortable just making that margin. It's not like we're taking a $5 an hour freelancer and charging you 20 bucks for it. We make that 15% regardless of whether they pay 75 or 50 or whatever it is. So um, yeah, that's really how we make our money.
0: That's so cool. And do you have like a way to to track, you know, what uh, the freelancers are doing? Because sometimes, you know, you can hire a freelancer and, you know, you have no idea how many hours they're putting in. They could kind of make it up and say, oh, you know, I work 10 hours, but yeah, it doesn't look like you work 10 hours. So what do you use? How do you track that?
1: So here's what's cool. Um, I'm personally not a big believer in screen capture software and we're we're not an agency anyway. So it's not like we're project managing what you're doing with your freelancer. I mean, that work is between you and the freelancer. They're not allowed to share any of that with me. Um, So with our marketplace, it's so hard to get in. I mean, we reject 99 out of every 100 applicants once they're in, they love being in. We bring clients to them. They get that same 24 seven support to help them grow their freelance business. Um, they get access to our community, which is awesome freelancers, and it's a lot of collaboration. So. Once they're in, they care a lot more about making you happy, the clients, um, and staying in the marketplace than they do about stealing an hour here and an hour there. So normally we don't have issues like that. If we do, we quickly remove people. If you want to put them on screen capture software, I mean, there's plenty of cheap ones out there like Time Doctor. It's 10 bucks a month or 8 bucks a month, and that's really between you and them. But from our side, I mean, we back it up. When we charge you on Thursdays, you have a week to dispute any invoice um, before we pay the freelancer the next Thursday. And we're really not interested in making a quick buck off you. If you have an issue, tell us, and we're going to make it right. And that that has really worked for us. There's that sense of trust. Um, you should also, from the client side, have best practices. I mean, get estimates, agree to stuff in writing. So it's not like you you keep everything open ended. But we found that having screen capture is not as good as you think it is. I mean, I have a 30-person team, I don't have time to go through and and watch all their screens. Um, (laughs) If if someone's stealing hours from me, how long is it really gonna take before I figure it out? A week or two? It's gonna cost me, I don't know, a few hundred bucks and I fire them and start over? The amount of money that it would cost me to view everyone's screens every week is a lot more than that.
0: What do you recommend to, let's say, someone like me? I hate managing people, as we've already, <laughs> as I've revealed, right? I hate managing people. So to, to, to me, hiring um, you know, someone in the Philippines or outsourcing it, um, I still have to manage them. So it's, you know, how do I get over that issue? I don't want to have, like, I want to have you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 people working for me, but I don't want to be managing them. Is there a way to outsource the managing side so that someone could just manage all of the, the uh, VAs?
1: Yeah, we have freelancers that are project managers. That's what they do. That's their business and that's what they offer. And we have plenty of clients that hire project managers um, for exactly that. I mean, everyone has their own skill set. whether you're more of a marketer and brand person, whether you're more of a salesperson, whether you're more of a, of a manager, like I would put myself in that manager category. So whatever your weaknesses are, you should hire people that can turn those weaknesses into strengths.
0: And how much is it normally, like, what, what's the going rate usually for, like, a VA manager position? Yeah, you know?
1: somewhere non-US, probably in that 8 to 20 range, US really? in that 30, I don't know, 25 to 40 range, something like
0: that. Okay, why would someone hire someone in the US if they're paying, what is it, double, roughly, on average, double what you would pay someone in the Philippines?
1: I mean, it depends. There, there are some very talented US people, and we have lots of clients who pay top dollar for U.S. people and have very successful businesses. I mean, there, there is always that culture benefit of hiring someone in the U.S. Maybe you find someone that has years of experience in the podcast industry doing U.S. podcasts. So um, a lot of it depends. I always encourage people to meet both options before making a decision if you're really unsure. Obviously, if you're budget conscious, the, the non-U.S. people are there, but we have a lot of U.S. freelancers who make well over $100,000 a year on our platform. Wow. There's a market for that as well.
0: But what happens if someone signs up to Free Up? They get, they hire someone through the platform, and it's amazing. The relationship is great, um, and they grow with the company. And a year later, you know, they decide, you know what? I just want to hire this person just full time. I, I, you know, how how would that work? How would that relationship work? Would they be able to take them away from Free Up, or would it always be tied to Free Up?
1: So it's always through free up, but there's a buyout. So it's 5000 for a US person 2500 for a non US person. Um, we can't force the person to get bought out. Um, there's a risk on both sides. If you buy someone out and they quit on you the next day, the buyout's not refundable. Um, if you buy them out and you don't pay them, we're not responsible. So um, both sides have to agree to that risk. And if both sides agree with we're, we don't we don't I mean, we're fine with it. You can buy them out.
0: That's cool. I think that's very fair because, uh, you know, obviously long term, you want to think, you know, you don't you don't ever want to be tied down, especially as an employee. And it works out really well. Uh, you don't want to be tied down to a platform. So I love that. Cool! Wow, Nathan, this is amazing. I mean, I'm I'm really glad that you that you created FreeUp because it's really helping uh, my business with with uh, Geffen Media Group, and, and now we're launching PodBooker.com. So we're going to be um, hopefully hiring a lot more uh, freelancers as well for that. Um, for those, uh, let me just
1: say I'm excited for PodBooker. I, I'm oh, going to yeah. be one of your first people to use it. I mean, I, we both know I go on a lot of podcasts, so it seems perfect.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I'll send you the link to the pre launch page. Um, so, for those listening to this, um, wh- how do they get? Is there like a, a trial? Could they ch- test it out? How can they uh, get started with free up?
1: Yeah. So if you go to free up with three E's, my calendar is right at the top of the website. You can book a time with me. I'd love to talk to you about your business and how I can help. Um, if you create a client account, mention this podcast or Daniel's name, get a free $25 credit to try us out. I mean, it's already free to sign up. It's already free to put in a request and meet people. You don't even have to give us a payment method unless you're, you want to hire someone. So um, that's already there and you get a free $25 just for mentioning this podcast.
0: Wait, guys, I'm serious, you need to outsource, like it's ridiculous. You guys are doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing. You're doing stuff that you hate doing. So stop doing things you hate doing, outsource it. FreeUp is incredible. Um, It's freeup.com with with three E's. Um, I'm not getting any commission for this. Um, I just happen to be a a big fan and a client, a happy client. So uh, head over to freeup.com, sign up. You'll thank me later. Get on a call with Nate, he's amazing. Nate, thank you so much for coming on the show really appreciate it. Thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. And thank you to my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.